0: Hello and welcome to the Faith and Family Matters podcast, where we talk about issues that strengthen our faith and build stronger family connections. Please join us for today's podcast with our host, William Hemphill II, pastoral counselor. This is William Hemphill, Pastoral Counselor, inviting you to join in to Part 2 of the podcast, Ahmaud Aubrey, Racial Trauma, and Our Duty as Christians. Please join us today for Part 2 of this podcast, Already in Progress. The article says also, In addition to the psychological wounds and physical effects, racial trauma causes hidden wounds. Want to expound on that hidden wounds. Why? Because some of us are not allowed to even express ourselves. This young man who I had a discussion with wanted to dismiss my opinion and my expertise. He really wanted me to, I'm going to say it for lack of a better term, just shut up and go away. There are some people who would have shut up and gone away. I'm not doing that because there's too much of this going on. And I believe that God has given me a gift to help heal these situations. And so I can't shut up because if I do shut up, I will be abdicating my responsibility. Historical trauma or soul wounds, the cumulative psychological wounds that result from historical traumatic experiences, such as colonization, genocide, slavery, dislocation, and other Related trauma can have intergenerational effects. Racial trauma has intergenerational effects. One of the things that I have said from the pulpit that I'm allowed to stand in is that in many ways we are all victims By this, of this. I know that most people of Anglo descent who are in this country are not slaveholders. But there are a lot of you that descended from slaveholders. I know that pretty much all people of African descent in this country are not slaves, but a lot of us have descended, were descendants of slaves. When you look at the mythology and theology that was used to justify slavery and how it's been passed down from generation to generation, we have all become unwitting victims of this. When you look at the fact that the slaveholders wanted a source of free labor so they could get rich and identify black skin as that labor, they went to Africa and began to take people from the shores of Africa and use our ancestors as slaves. One of the reasons they picked that black skin is because it was not easy to hide. I believe if you look at some of the history books, you'll see that there were white indentured servants and maybe white slaves at some point. But they could escape and blend in with no problem. They tried doing it with Native Americans. If they escaped, they had family where they could go and hide and knew the land better than the settlers. So they kidnapped people from Africa. One of the ways that they got people to buy in To that, was to create a theology of inferiority or people with black skin being less than human. They cited such things as the curse of Ham in Genesis and tried to say that the curse of Ham was black skin. They try to tell things like slaves being happy, understand, not understanding that we were under chattel slavery, which is the worst type of slavery that's been given to humankind, where our ancestors were treated as animals. Even in our Constitution, when they were debating about voting rights, they were saying, okay, for citizenry, the South, in order to get more voting representation, they wanted to count slaves as humans for that purpose only. And so they were going back and forth, and finally they said we were three-fifths of a human being. In other words, this racial aggression and trauma has been interwoven into our society. And it's having effects on all sides. Many times, folks being unaware of their viewpoints because it's been taught and passed down from generation to generation to generation, so on and so forth. One of the things that happens when racial trauma occurs is oftentimes people experience an attack on their sense of self. We start questioning things. You know, we we look at things. We say, well, maybe if Eric Gardner... Maybe if he wasn't selling cigarettes, he wouldn't have been choked out by the police. So it's his fault for selling cigarettes. Should you die for selling cigarettes? No. Well, maybe if Tamar Rice wasn't uh, uh, playing with a toy gun and doing cops and robbers, maybe he wouldn't have gotten shot So that's probably his fault. So maybe I shouldn't do that. Do you know how many times I played cops and robbers in my neighborhoods growing up? I got friends who played cops and robbers. But see, that's part of the attack on the sense of self This is why I go back to the scripture, Genesis chapter 127, and to remind people that we are made in the image of God and in God's likeness. Because we have to reestablish the sense of self for all people and understand that we are valuable in the eyes of God, first and foremost of all. Healing Racial trauma is challenging because racial wounds occur within a social political context and on a continuing basis. What does that mean? It simply means what I've already said earlier. Racism is woven into our society in many ways ways. And because it's woven into our society in so many ways, we often don't realize what it's doing unconsciously. I look back at this case and I think about the McMichaels and I want to say what is it other than Ahmad Avery being black? that would have made you think that he was a criminal? What is it in how you grew up that made you think that way? What is it in your church that was taught that made you think that way? What is it in your families that you talked about or in your fraternities that made you think that way? And then I often want to ask the question is this, if he were a white guy who went into a house and looked and then kept jogging, would you have even bothered to go after him? So that's the first thing. The second question I often ask is, what gives you the right to police us? Now, I know one of you, one of them apparently was a former police officer, so on and so forth. And I think one of the other ones worked in the DA's office. The fact is they weren't working like that anymore. But see, that's not the only instance where people want to try to police us. I can remember an instance last year where an eight-year-old girl trying to be entrepreneurial and make some money by selling bottles of water A white woman called the police on an eight-year-old black girl was doing nothing but trying to be entrepreneurial. One of the things you say we should be. Make a contribution to society. An eight-year-old girl, entrepreneurial, gets the police called on her. Then I also know we know about the case of I can't remember her name, but her nickname on the internet was called Barbecue Becky, I believe, who decided she was going to call the police because there were folk barbecuing in the park and violating an ordinance. The question again, why do you feel you have the right to police us Especially when we're doing nothing wrong. And why does that policing have to turn violent? This is why the wounds of racism cannot be healed. Because we are constantly traumatized and re-traumatized over and over and over Again. So I want to talk about a couple things from there. My primary question at this point is to the Christian community what do we do as people of faith? First of all, I want to say thank you. To my brothers and sisters in faith who did encourage me this weekend especially a couple of my Anglo brothers and sisters who flat out made statements condemning this I appreciate and applaud your encourage because I know you're going to take some heat for it some folk might call you race traders. some folk might call you other names, but it's your courage and standing up for the gospel that helps with this. Looking back at the article that I cited earlier, Skews and Bloom addressed the link between racial trauma and substance abuse amongst American Indians in a qualitative study of tribal members on the reservation. Results indicated that racism emerged as a theme both as a precipitant to substance abuse and as a barrier to recovery. Racial trauma erodes cultural identity and the researchers proposed healing as both prevention and treatment grounded in indigenous culture and in spirituality. The researchers concluded that increases in social, economic, and health equity are needed at a societal level to break the cycle of racial trauma and re-victimization. I want to talk about one point in that because it relates to what I do here and what I feel we should do. Proposed healing grounded in spirituality. To me, that sounds like faith. Faith in Christ. I do believe as a Christian and as a pastor and as a pastoral counselor that when we walk with faith in Christ and follow the teachings of Christ, loving God, loving our neighbors and loving ourselves, that we can indeed have healing in this situation. Here's the problem. What do we do when some of our brothers and sisters are the ones who are re-traumatizing us. What do we do when our faith is harming us instead of helping us? Another debate that I had gotten into this weekend or statement was... I have a friend of mine in seminary, Dr. Antipas Harris. If you get a chance, read his book. It's Christianity, the White Man's Religion. Uh, I know him from seminary. He is a scholar. He is a hard worker. And I believe the book will be informative. Here's the thing. When I looked at the reviews of his book, there were people trying to talk about how racist the title was. So, I want to give a brief education, at least from my perspective. I hadn't read the book, but I have heard this question before. This question comes from people of African descent who question people like me for being Christian. Why do they question me? They question me because they see a faith or spirituality. Christianity that has often injured instead of helped people of African descent. Remember the article talked about spirituality being a way of healing, healing substance abuse, healing sickness, healing many different things. But the challenge is, is that people of faith, those who are Christian, we are dealing with a faith that has often harmed us instead of helped us. So what do we do about that? I do imagine Dr. Harris's book is probably a good start for a lot of people to read. It's on Amazon or is about to be released on Amazon. Check it out. I think... People of like-minded faith need to start having some discussions and dialogue about what the Christian faith calls us to do. Does it call us to love people individually and collectively? And if so... We need to challenge ourselves when we don't view other people as being human and created in the image of God. Challenge ourselves, because people are different. We all have our prejudices, but do we value people and value life? Second of all, as people of faith, I do believe we need to be willing to challenge the culture. I ain't saying make America Christian, necessarily, because in this country we do have freedom of religion and people are able to worship, hopefully so long as they aren't harming others. But what I'm still saying as a Christian and a person of faith is not only do we love one another, we challenge systems that are producing harm to people. So for instance, looking at the COVID pandemic, there are stats that are coming out now that show that people of color and poorer communities are being affected more by this pandemic. How do we address that? So that everybody can have health care. How do we address the systems that keep people in poverty? Individually and collectively. Because I think there is a both and situation to it. And how do we empower people? So that we can live productive lives in society. How do we address systems that might want to cover up crimes. Because as people of faith, we are called to do that. I am encouraged by those who are marching. I am encouraged by those who are praying. I am encouraged by those who've written letters and different things concerning this situation. But I'm not just thinking about this particular situation. Unfortunately, unless God intervenes, something is going to happen again. Because I have a list of at least 20 things that have happened probably within the past three or four years, and there's probably more. We have to do better as people. I'm not going to pretend to have all the solutions. But I do want to at least start by engaging in discussion. And when we do engage in discussion, as people of faith, I am going to remind us especially of two scriptures. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there's male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? God is not discriminating, that's what it means. So I'm supposed to love people. White, black, Asian, or as my mama say, grizzly green. Supposed to love people, period. And number two, I am going to talk from Genesis chapter 1. God created humankind in his own image. Which simply means whenever you look in the mirror every day, you see somebody that's created in the image and the likeness of God. Whenever you look in your home every day and see your spouse or your kids or your parents or whoever is there with you, you see somebody created in the image of God even if we don't always act that way. So when I see someone jogging, or selling bottles of water, or going to school, or on the phone, I see people creating the image of God. When I see someone selling CDs, or walking to the corner store with a hoodie on, instead of suspecting them of being in a place where they shouldn't be, I see someone who's in the image of God. And I give them the benefit of the doubt. Unless there is a reason not to. And if there is a reason not to give them the benefit of the doubt, then hopefully I let the appropriate officials handle it. Another way of saying it, is I look at myself and my own prejudices. We have to look at ourselves and our own prejudices and repent of our evil and our wrong and begin to address changes. So these are just some of my thoughts on this subject for today. Here's my prayer that Mr. Aubrey's sacrifice has not been in in vain and that somehow it begins to bring healing to this country. In closing, again, I want to say Whenever you go out and see somebody, look at them and see the image of God. And unless there is something really going on that is actually a danger to you, then don't try to hurt someone. Harm them or offend them. Because at the end of the day, we are all human beings made in the image of God. This is William Hemphill, pastor, pastoral counselor, Christian, and an African-American man, thanking you for listening to this podcast. Let's continue to pray and hopefully do better. Take care. This is William Hempill, pastoral counselor, And I thank you for listening to today's podcast. Just wanted to share a brief announcement with you. If you live in the state of Georgia, I am offering individual, couples, and family counseling via phone or video, also known as telemental health. Again, if you're in the state of Georgia, I now offer counseling via phone or video for individuals, couples, and families. Please go to my website, www.williamhemphill.com. That's www.williamhemphill.com. There you will see a banner that drops down on the front page. My email address and my contact number is located. There's also a button that you can press where you can request an appointment with me. Again, That website is www.williamhemphill.com. You can also go to www.ffeonline.org. Thank you so much and take care. Have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We hope that the show has been a blessing to you. If you would like more information on personal counseling, couples counseling, adoptive family counseling, or other products and services, please go to ffeonline.org. For questions about the show, please email us at faithandfamilymatterspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.